Thanks for listening to the Journey Podcast. We're glad you're here. Journey exists to engage people in the process of knowing Jesus Christ. We pray that this podcast engages you and encourages you to become more like Him. Well, good morning. How's everybody doing? If you're doing good and living in the blessings of the Father, let's give Him a big round. That's awesome. Hey, worship was amazing this morning. What a picture that was painted of what heaven's going to look like, how we should be worshiped, and our responsibility on this side of eternity. So can we give it up for our worship team? They did an amazing job this morning. Awesome, awesome. Well, if you didn't get a chance to make it last week, we started a brand new series called Revive. And we're looking at, and we looked at the difference between a revival and just uh, developing um, a couple of New Year's resolutions. And we know this because most of us have fallen into that category where we've made a resolution. And shortly after the resolution, we've also broken that resolution. And what we decided last week is that God's word is what's gonna bring revival. God's word is what's gonna bring something that's lasting in our lives. We literally looked at a passive scripture and it's kind of the, it's gonna be the bedrock for everything we do over this next year. And it's found in Psalms 119.25. And I love this because it paints a picture. David paints this picture of a life that a lot of us are living in. He says, I lie in the dust. And a lot of us feel like that in our lives. Maybe the last two years, we feel like our marriages have been lying in the dust or maybe our finances, or maybe maybe it's been our careers or maybe it's been something else, uh, you know, a relationship that, that we want or don't want. And, and it feels like it lies in the dust. It's just laying there kind of dormant. And by the very word revive, what it means is to bring life to it. And that's what we wanna do in the things in our lives that are lying in the dust. And so he tells us how to do it at the tail end of that. He says, he says, in the dust, revive me by your word. And we looked at last week what the word was. It's not just a printed a word on a page. The word was really Jesus Christ, the flesh, the word. The Bible says in John 1.1, 1, 1, he said, in the beginning, the word and the word was God and the word was God or with, with God and was, was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things were made through him and without him, was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and life was the light of men. And verse 14 says this, and the word became flesh. We celebrated that two weeks ago uh, on Christmas Eve. The word Jesus Christ was the word that became flesh, and it dwelt among us. It's kind of interesting to me that even what he was gonna be called, Emmanuel, was what? God with us. And so this word became flesh. Jesus Christ became that, and so it's in him that we find all our sustenance in him. We find a revival. And it's interesting because today what I wanna do is I'm gonna kind of take a different approach to the message and everything. As a matter of fact, today I'm gonna ask a lot of questions. Usually I have a lot of points. Today I don't have any points. I have a point, but I don't have a lot of points. Does that make sense? But I I wanna kind of do this because a lot of times, and and maybe by a show of hands or maybe just kind of nod if you want. How many people in this room, their, their walk, their faith walk, is kind of up and down. Like there's moments where it's really good, it's kind of high in the mountain part, and so you're shaking your head. There's other times where it's not so high in the mountain, it's kind of low, it's in the valley. And it's one of those deals where, what if, what if we could look at the Bible, and what if God can give us such a revival that our life isn't that? It's not big highs and big lows, that it's, it's kind of always higher, it's always at least medium. And so it was interesting because it's like this, because I think a lot of us have a bad perspective on what Christianity is, and maybe, Preachers like me have done a bad job of explaining what Christianity really looks like. And, and a lot of us think it's kind of like this, we get this one thing, but it's actually another. It's like this. So last year, one of our goals, my, my wife gave me this goal, is that we were going to buy a new bed for our house. We've been living in the same bed. Abraham Lincoln was like in presidency when we bought our last mattress. 
And so we've had it for a while. As a matter of fact, it's kind of funny, and we joke about it now, or we joke about it, but our bed started developing a valley in it. That's how, like, and so we would have, and so like when we were like sitting there snuggling, watching TV or whatever, I said, hey, why don't you come over my side? She goes, I'll be there in a minute. I got to come through the valley of the bed. So I was like, that's not funny. And so we decided we're going to get a new bed, and it took us, honestly, uh, a whole year. And I didn't realize it's an important decision. Um, so one of my friends who's actually a doctor told me this, the, the two most important decisions you'll make in your life are not who you're going to marry and, and, and the house that you're going to buy. It's, it's buying good shoes and buying a good mattress. And I'm like, I get that. I'm in shoes all, the, all day long and I'm in my bed a lot. But anyway, that's neither here nor there. And I don't know if you know this, but mattresses are expensive. Like, I thought, you know, you pay $300 and you buy a mat- mattress. And, you know, obviously yeah, it's been a long time, right? And so I didn't realize mattresses can go from $500 to $5,000. I mean, they're expensive. So she's been sending me these messages and it'll be like, hey, what do you think about this mattress? And like, uh, typical guy, right? Typical guy like, yeah, that looks great. And, and, and just, uh, it, you know, cause like all I'm gonna do is sleep in it, right? So she sends me this one right before Christmas. And she said, what do you think about this one? And I actually said, you know something, I'm gonna change I'm going to give her my undivided attention. I'm actually going to do some, I'm going to do some research on so I text her back, looks good, man. The, 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 the reviews came back. Everything was great. She goes, do you want me to order? I said, yeah. Now on the tab that she sent me, the little link that's in my text message, it said $976. So I'm looking at it. I'm going, okay, yeah, that sounds like a good price, right? Knowing what I know, it's not a bad. Maybe it's a little bit more than you would pay, but I'm going to spend some time in it. So it comes in two weeks later. They custom make these. These are amazing. We get it to the house. It comes in a box this big. It's vacuum sealed. So I throw it on the bed and the first words out of my mouth, there is no way this thing's going to fit on this bed. There's like, and even when we found, so I did what no man ever does. I looked at the instructions on the side of the package. What are you shaking your head for? We do it occasionally. And so it says that you have to pierce the bag or cut the bag, right? So when Gina cuts the bag, the whole bed, Boom, boom, right? It said three hours. Like in 30 seconds, this whole bed is filling the whole space. Now I get on the bed, right? And, and it's like, let's give it, we have, a, I don't know, 100 day, 30 day, 30 day, I think it's 30 days. We get 30 days on this bed. I'm like, okay, I can determine whether it's good or not in one night. So I sleep on the next morning. She goes, how was it? I was like, fantastic. I met God. Like there was no valley. I didn't roll over into the abyss twice in the middle of the night. It was fantastic. And I said to her, and, and I said, that was the best $976 we've ever spent. And she looks at me kind of strange. She goes, what are you talking about? I said, $976. She goes, baby, it was not, it was like, it was like a couple, three times that amount. I'm like, what? <laughs> and I go back to my text message and it said $976 for the twin mattress <laughs> with no topper on it. And it had no filler. It came, it was flat. That's all you got. And it made me think, and like, if, if, you're, if you're a car salesman, please don't be offended by anything I'm gonna say. I know car salesmen, but it's almost like when you go to buy a car, you feel like you're gonna be the bait and switch, the bait and switch, right? Like you buy one thing and you get another thing. Like you go to buy a car and the ticker, you know, the sticker on the, you know, I remember this years ago when I was looking to buy a truck. I've never bought a new truck, but it was like 24,000. Like that's a deal, $24,000. And you get there and they start going, would you like seats put in it? <laughs> Yes, I would. And, and this one comes, this one only comes with two tires. It requires four to work. And you're like, oh my gosh. Okay. I remember taking one of my kids shopping with me one time and I was looking at this car and I was getting ready to buy it and I was all good. 
And, and I think it was my oldest, Bethany. She goes, Dad, what is this little stick on the side of the doors? I said, what are you talking about? It didn't even have, it was, this is how you did the windows. And like, oh my God. So, and then you go out and you, you look at the end, $64,000. And the reason I say all this is because I think a lot of us look at Christianity the same way. That, that, that it's easy, honestly, it's easy to get involved in Christianity. It's easy to ask Jesus Christ to be your Lord and Savior. I don't know how you did it. Me was in my bedroom, but a lot of people, you know, they walk an aisle or they fill out a card or they get prayed over, they get to the secret room or do whatever they do. But, but it's easy, it's easy. You surrender your life to Jesus Christ and everything's great. And, and, and then what happens is a little while later, things change a little bit, don't they? And maybe you start going to church and the pastor, you get, he gets up there one Sunday morning and he starts reading from the book of Acts and he starts talking about giving and you're going, whoa, whoa, whoa. There was no giving in this thing. And then he starts talking talk about tithing and you realize that that's one of the things that believers do. They give, they, it's, it's what we do. If you're a believer, it's something that you should do. We give because he first gave us. And then the preacher gets up there and he's like, I really think it'd be a great idea now that you made a decision to follow Christ that you come to church every Sunday, every Sunday. I was a Christmas and Easter person. I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. And then on top of that, we do a series. We what? hey, we want you to read every week and we're gonna challenge you. And then, and, then, and then if you go to a church, maybe they have church on Sunday nights and the preacher goes, hey, we want you there on Sunday nights. And like Journey, we want you, we expect people around this place to serve. So that gets like, oh my goodness. And there's all these things. And then if you go to certain churches, you can't read certain things. You can't go to certain movies. You can't drink certain things. You can't have any fun. You have to stop sinning. You got to stop all this other stuff. And, and you go, oh my gosh, is this what Christianity is? And let me tell you the answer to it. No. And no wonder, and I say no and no wonder because of this. No, that's not what Christianity is. It's not a bunch of rules and regulations. It's a bunch of desires. And the truth of the matter is when I'm doing the do's, I don't wanna do the don'ts. So it's one of those situations where I'm pursuing after Christ. And when we do that, that's when revival happens. That's when the true essence of God comes into our lives. And the second part of that is no wonder no wonder people don't want to go to church. No wonder when we ask people and invite them to come to church, they go, nope, I've been there, done that. It's because they think it's a bunch of rules and regulations. How, how can we train? How can we change? How can we, the perception that the world has, of how can we do it different? It's by living it ourselves. It's by having a reality of what church really is and what being a Christian really means. Listen, you're gonna have ups and downs. I get it. I wanna do this different today. I wanna ask, I really wanna ask some questions. I wanna ask some questions that hopefully by the end of the message, we can kind of answer. And maybe, maybe not all of them, but maybe over the course of this week, you can continue to ask yourself these couple questions. There's two, two questions I wanna ask everyone. You might wanna write them down. We're probably gonna have them on social media this week, but what can I do to stabilize my walk with Christ? Is there, is there some things in my life that can make it more balanced? Is there, is, there, is there like, I don't think there's a secret sauce, but is there a couple things that I can do different that maybe when the highs come, I don't get as high. And maybe when the lows come, I don't get as low. And then the second part of that is, how can I apply those things to my life? If there is a couple things, if there's maybe one, maybe one thing that I extract from today, is there something that I can do to make it a little, little bit different? And it's interesting because I want you to envision something because this is how every believer is. And I want you to envision, maybe you have never been to a, a board meeting, but just envision this. You go to a board meeting and in the board meeting, 
There's maybe like a, a pitcher of water and there's, there's, there's a whiteboard there and, and, and there's all these seats where people are sitting. And I want you to envision a board meeting that happens in your heart all the time because it happens all the time. And you have, your, you have your, your relational division over here and you have your, you know, your fun division over here for your hobbies and you have this one over here for your marriage and then you have your, your, your money one over here and then you have your, you know, your sexual stuff over here and you have all these board meetings going on in your heart. And it's interesting to me because when I ask Christ to be my savior, a lot of us, what we do is we do this. We invite him to the board meeting as just like any other committee member. He gets one vote out of many votes. But when I ask Christ, if I want stability in my life, the very first thing I have to do is understand that when he comes into my life, he fires all the other board members. And what he does is he said, listen, I'm ruling and I'm reigning in this place and I'm the Lord of your life. See, that's the very first thing if we want stability we got to understand we have to give him complete control, and that's something that we just don't do. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6 is a passive scripture over the last couple of weeks that I've been reading. And it's interesting to me because I think the answer, maybe the secret sauce is even in this passage. And it just says this in verse 6. It says, therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as the Lord, that's the baseline, that you have to receive Christ as your Lord before anything else happens. And then it says, so walk with him. And then it says some words, rooted and built up in him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught. And then I love this last part, abounding in thanksgiving. What does that mean? What are those, what are those different things? The very first thing he talks about, he talks about the situation of walking in him. He says, I want you to walk in me. Now, what does it mean? Because so many times we go like, hey, you ever read a scripture and you go, hey, that's a great scripture. I don't understand what it means now. And I think this is one of them. Now, I, I want to use this illustration. Okay, How many people are walkers in the room? Okay, that was not a trick question. <laughs> How many people in this room are walkers? Okay, everybody's hands should be raised right now. Some of you are looking like, I don't know what I'm supposed to do right here. Like, uh, like my, I don't know what to do with my hand. If you walk, if you walk, now some don't, if you walk, raise your hand. You're a walker. I have been a professional walker for 55 years. First year, I struggled a little bit, All right? My, my mom and dad taught me how to walk. By age two, I was an expert. And you know what I've realized? Not much, much has changed in the last 56 years of walking. It, it's, there's not like, there, Amazon doesn't have a book, like a special book area for like, you know, walking 301 or 401. There, it's, it's 101, everybody. I mean, we put one foot, I don't care if you're a right foot first or a left foot first, we all walk the same way, right? So it's not, there's not a, well, I guess there is an Olympic sport for walking now, but that's a whole other story. But you know what I'm saying? And I think you can kind of parallel that with your faith. You remember when you first asked Christ to be your Savior? If you're, if you're a Christian, I don't care if it's been 30 or 40 years, you should periodically during your life go back to that moment and remind yourself where you've come from, period. And you know what that does? It keeps you grounded and it keeps you from not being arrogant because most of us came from a really bad place, right? But you remember the feeling when you first asked Christ, you sur what would you do? You surrendered your life, right? You surrendered, you said, God, here, I want you to be Lord. And I remember this, like a lot of people just said, like, oh, I want you to be Lord. And he goes, no, 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 I want to be Lord and God. I want to be everything in your life. I don't want, I don't want half. I don't want, I don't want to be the co-pilot. I want to be the pilot, right? And so do you remember that moment? It was that moment, right? That we surrendered. And you started your walk in faith. That's where you started the walk. Do you know how you continue your walk? Doing the same things you did back then. Yeah. It doesn't change. Just like walking doesn't change. I don't have to change how I walk. I've walked the same. I am an expert at doing this. Very rarely do I trip and fall. 
unless my glasses are messed up. But it's one of those deals where it's the same thing in my faith walk. It doesn't change very much. I walk in him. You start your walk, you complete your walk the same exact way. Which leads me to the next word. Therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus as your Lord, so walk in him, rooted. Rooted, what does it mean to be rooted? Like, that's what we don't use. Like, we don't, we, don't, we don't go over to, you know, we don't go to Cracker Barrel and go, hey, let's talk about being rooted today. It's like, it's not a word, but I understand it's an agricultural term. I remember growing up when I lived on a farm, we lived uh, adjacent to a farm and I worked on a farm. I realized, I don't remember what it was. We would put the plant, the seed in the ground and months later, sometimes years later, the plant would come up and that would be rooted and, would, and the winds would blow and all this stuff, but that plant would stay there. It's because it was rooted. I, I, love, I love this. We, we need to decide what it means in our personal life, what it means to be rude. A couple weeks ago, um, if I park my truck the same spot every day. It's not my private parking spot, but if you park in it, <laughs> wheels coming after you. And so I, 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 it was a Sunday morning, and I had probably gone hunting that day or, the, I mean, the day before, and I, I am as, this sounds so bad, I'm as redneck as they come. Like, I know it doesn't seem like it on site, but I, I, I hunt and I fish and I play in the dirt and I love running the truck through the mud and I love, you know, seeing how much trouble, I'm not, I mean, how much fun I could have. So my truck was filthy dirty and it was out, parked out front. And, and, and I was surprised nobody offered to take it for a car wash, to be honest with you. That's another, that's another message um, about gratitude and Thanksgiving and loving and all that, but... But somebody walked up to me, and, and maybe you've heard this saying before. You can take the boy out of the country, but you can't take the country out of the boy. <laughs> Saluda. <laughs> right? I mean, if you go in my truck right now, it is piled high in the back seat. Don't go stealing anything. We have cameras out there. I got guns, and I got hunting clothes, because right after church, I walk off the stage at 125. I'm gone. I love it. But you know what he was saying to me? It's in you, man. You're rooted. You're rooted in that stuff. Like that hunting stuff, that's where, y'all, this is so funny. Y'all remember the show, the Beverly Hillbillies? <laughs> so I did it in first, the reason I'm laughing, I did it in first service. I asked, okay, show of hands that people have never heard the Beverly Hillbillies. Raise your hands if you've never heard of Beverly Everybody that raised their hand in first service was under the age of 20. <laughs> Beverly Hillbillies was about a family. Um, what was his name, Jed? Tell you a little story about a man named... <laughs> Y'all watch too much TV, <laughs> right? Beverly Hillbillies. So the whole premise of the show was he shot into a rock, he thought, and oil popped up out of it, and he became a bazillionaire. And he, and, and, he, and he moves to Beverly Hills. But you know, everything he did in Beverly Hills was the same thing he did when he lived in Tennessee. It's because it was rooted. You can't change because it's rooted. It, 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 your rooting declares your values and your priorities. That's right. What you're rooted in declares your values and your priorities. And if your values and your priorities are in Jesus, then, 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 then it demonstrates because you're rooted in those things. I would ask you a question Look through your life, look through your Facebook, look through your whatever, you know, social media, look through your bank. Whatever you see yourself doing the most of, that's what you're rooted in. If you're rooted in yourself, it's every picture on Facebook is, oh my goodness, he didn't just go there. Everyone's of you. 
He said, they said, preacher, shut up. You know what I'm talking about? If you're about everybody else, man, that picture's all everybody else. They're all the rest of the family. Look at your checkbook. What do you spend the most money on? That's what you're rooted in. That's your values. See, that's what he's talking about here. He's talking about your roots determine your values and your priorities. So if you're rooted in him, that means this is what happened. It's interesting. Um, anybody else besides me, and I, I'll confess, I love stupid church signs. Anybody? Stupid church. I'm like, uh, there was one a couple days ago. Stop, drop, and roll doesn't work in hell. I was like, wow. <laughs> Lots of visitors on Sunday from that one. I mean, they, I mean, they had a line of people, right? <laughs> but years ago, <laughs> welcome to Journey. <laughs> uh, years ago, there was a church, and I used to ride by it every day because they had some of the best ones. But one day, I, I read it, and I was like, wow, this is, that's really profound. I said, rooted in the word, reaching the world. And I was like, wow, that's that's good. Well, we had, you know, around here, we have all these thunderstorms. On. We had a real bad thunderstorm one night, and it knocked all the letters off. So somebody else put the letters up. I guess it was somebody that was just kind of riding by. And this is what they put at, rooted in the world, reaching for the word. And I thought to myself, what an amazing difference one letter makes. And unfortunately, you know what happens in our lives? That's where a lot of us are. We're rooted in the world, and we're reaching for the word. And until we get our roots up out of the world and into what God wants to do, we're always going to have this conflict and our walk is always going to be unstable. We're always going to struggle in our life. Here, here's something I want everybody to write this down. This is really important. It was the best thing I wrote in this whole message. If you want to establish stability in your Christian life, you must learn to live in Christ, not just live for Christ. That's good. Thanks, man. You're the only one that thought it was good, but... You must learn to live in Christ. See, what haps, happens, and I think a lot of people, we think, feel like if we just do a couple good things or a couple this things, we do a couple of these things, that everything's going to be fine. And then all heck breaks loose, and it starts going out of kilter again. Here's the second thing, or another thing. The next word or phrases he uses is, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him and established the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in things, built up in him. So what does it mean to be built up? The first thing it means is you allow him to be your home inspector. Do you hear me on that? You're not asking somebody else to inspect the house. Not only that, you understand that building is a process. That you are not gonna be superstar Christian the day after you ask Jesus to be your savior. As a matter of fact, you will not receive what perfection looks like until we get to heaven one day. That's when perfect comes. And I learned this the hard way. A couple years ago, um, we decided to move from Riverwood to a place at Napling. And some of you have heard this already. We, we basically bought a house that was built in 1980 and we gutted the inside of it, right? So we gutted the inside of it and Gina and the team did a great job. And they put new countertops and they, and, and, and they did new, new fixtures and tanks and all this stuff, paint and outside and all that kind of stuff. Well, I remember they were trying to sell us the project. And I said, how long is this going to take, a day? And they said, what? And I said, yeah, all, like counter, you can do the countertops all in the day and the paint all the day and hardwood floors all in the day. You can do it in a day, right? Just a day. And it was like, you're kidding, right? Like, no, no, like, like what's the problem? I think I could have a team of people. We can knock it out in a couple hours. Like, no. And you know what I found out? Building doesn't work that way. And I thought it was going to take a couple weeks. We, we buy the house, I think, or we kind of 
shake hands on the house in February. It wasn't until July or August that we got to move in and I had to live with my, I had the privilege of living with my mother-in-law <laughs> for 30 or so days. <clears throat> hey, just as it doesn't take a day, can, 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 I, can I just throw something out? One of the biggest moments in counseling that I have is when a husband asks Christ to be a savior. Wife has been praying for him. Wife has been praying for him. He finally makes that decision and they're sitting in my office and the wife goes, so how much longer until he changes? Like, what? And my wife's trying to change me for 30 years, 30 something years, and he still ain't working. You know what I'm saying though? And at some point, maybe instead of pointing the fingers, we look back at ourselves and ask, what has to change in us? See, that's what it means to be built up, that we understand that we're a work in progress. I love what it says in 1 Corinthians, for we are God's fellow workers. You are God's field. What a visual. Because you know what happens every year? That field has to be replanted. And it gets plowed up. And it's replanted. And it gets plowed up. And it's replanted. That's what God does in us. We get a good crop one year, maybe not a good crop the next year. And he plows it under and he goes, okay, we're starting all over again. Philippians 1.6, he said, and I am sure of this, that he who began a good work in you will bring it to completion at the day of Jesus, not your day, his day, whenever he decides. And, 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 and Ephesians is one of ours around here. Hey, Ephesians chapter two, verse 10, for we are God's workmanship, we're his workmanship, created in Christ to do good works for God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. That means we need to walk day by day by day by day. And even the word built means this. It's a continual process. It's a present tense, not a future, not a past. It's right now. Years ago, I led this guy to Christ. I was, I was still living in New Jersey. And I remember after leading him to Christ, he was a drug addict. And one of the things that he struggled with was for a while getting rid of that stuff. But one day he prayed the prayer. He prayed a prayer. He like, not just a serenity prayer. He's like, God, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. And he's like, so he decided he put it all in a, in a drawer, all his paraphernalia, his drugs. And the next day he was going to go throw it away. Well, in the middle of the night, he had a knock on the door. And the knock on the door happened. And it was the police outside. They were there to raid his house. Somebody had, had snitched on him. And so they come in and the police come running in and they're looking all over the place and they know he's a drug dealer and they know he's a drug user. They just can't find any of this stuff. And the guy said, you know something? I made a decision to follow Christ. I'm going to be truthful. I'm going to tell you the truth. The Bible says the truth will set you free. He said, I'm, I'm telling you where all the stuff is in the bottom drawer. He said, but you don't have to look there. You can just take my word for it. Well, where do the cops go right away? The bottom drawer, right? And isn't that the same way in our lives? We go, God, you can have everything in my life, but don't look at the bottom drawer. And where does he go to first? He goes to the bottom drawer because he says, in my weaknesses or your weaknesses, he's going to be made strong. So it's one of those deals where the construction process means we don't give him the things that are easy to give him. We give him everything. We give him the hard things, the addictions, the problems, the arrogance, the, you know, the bitterness, the anger, the resentments, the unforgiveness. We give him everything. That's the stuff that's in our bottom drawer. Which leads me to the next thing, because I love this next line. And there's two different ways to look at it. We're going to look at the ESV, and then I'm going to look at the New Living Translation. So what, what does it mean? The next words are established in your faith. It says this, it says, therefore, as you receive Christ Jesus, your Lord, walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in your faith, just as you were taught, Colossians 2, 7 in NLT, it uses, then your faith will grow strong in the truth that you were taught. It'll grow strong in the truth that you were taught. Now, I'm a, I'm a cartoon person. Anybody else like cartoons? I don't watch them that much because I don't watch them that much. Because I want my wife thinking I'm a little kid. 
but Popeye. Popeye the sailor man. <laughs> Y'all got issues too. Y'all remember Popeye? You remember his, his arch nemesis? Bluto. All right, Bluto, all right? And Bluto would kick his butt all over the place. And somehow or another in his back pocket, Popeye had a, a can of spinach. And somehow it would pop out of his back pocket and land right in his bicep. You remember these? And he would pop his bicep and all that spinach would go into his mouth. And all of a sudden he was the strongest thing that ever happened. And he could, he could whoop anybody's tail. But without the spinach, he was what? Nothing. You know what that means? It means without Jesus, we're nothing. That means we can't put our trust in ourselves. Our faith is built in one thing, and that's Jesus Christ. And so many times what happens in our lives, we try to do it on our own. We continue to try to go through those processes. We continue to kind of, kind of just work it out, and we feel like, you know, I'm gonna, I conquered it, and it doesn't work that way. And then we get frustrated, and that's why our walk is always like this. If your idea of living the Christian life this is what a lot of us deal with. It's just about doing a bunch of good deeds and thinking that you can make God love you more. That's not Christianity. Christianity is understanding that I am a mess without him. And I can't do it on my own. That while I was still a sinner, far from grace, Christ Jesus came to die for me. And the way Paul says it, the worst of sinners. That's what he says. The worst of sinners. He said, but God still has a crown of righteousness for us when we depend on him and not our own doing. And let me give you the last thing. The last thing is this. He has one more phrase, and it's the phrase overflowing with thankfulness. So what does that mean? Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus as Lord, so walk in him, rooted and built up in him, established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding, abounding, overflowing with thanksgiving. A few years ago, I had a, got a phone call from a friend of mine. He comes to this church, and he said, um, he heard me talking about one Sunday that I was getting back into golf. I used to play golf a lot, and then I stopped playing for a while when we first started the church, but I started playing, and he said, um, and I probably made the comment, like, you know, something along the lines with, I, I didn't have any golf clubs or something, and I get a message from him one day. He says, uh, I want to give you a present, and I said, okay, great. He goes, I'm going to give you a brand new set of golf clubs. And I was thinking that I was going to get some, you know, Walmart golf clubs, which are fine. But these were not. These were fresh off the tour van. Like a tour player would have got these clubs. And they were beautiful. And then he gave me three drivers. And he gave me a brand new bag. And he gave me a putter. This means nothing to most of you. But it was a Scotty Cameron putter. It was worth four or $500. And he brought it. He brought it to me here at the office one day. And he just said, hey, this is a gift for you. Love to play golf with you one day. I'd like to give you a lesson. What blah, 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 blah. And it was interesting because the day he sent me the message that he was doing that, I sent him a message back. Hey, thanks for the gift. Like, you didn't have to do this. This meant a lot. Now, I hadn't even gotten the golf clubs yet. Like, they, 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 it was a couple, three weeks until I got them. But I was already saying thank you. Thank you in advance. And when it says overflowing with thanksgiving or abounding, it means that we're thanking God in advance that we're not waiting for his blessings, that we're saying, thank you for giving. I know your promises. I know how you work. I've seen you do it this way and you're gonna do it again. 
Even when it doesn't make sense, I start to say thank you. God, thank you that you're going to restore my marriage. Thank you that my son's going to be okay. God, thank you that that, that that cancer, it may kill me, but I have eternity waiting on the other side. Thank you, God, in advance for the, for the job I'm going to get. Thank you for the money that you're going to Thank you in advance. It hasn't come yet, but it's about to come. That's what abounding in, in, in thank, thankfulness means. And see, I think we've missed it on this one, y'all. I think we thank God when he does it. It's almost like, okay, check. You did it. Thank you. What would happen in our lives if we started thanking God in advance for these things? If, if you're a believer today, can I, can I ask you to do me a real quick favor? Just if you're a believer, I'm, this is not the, the, like, I'm not trying to bear it. Like, it's just, I want you to think through something. Do you remember how it felt when you first started your journey? Do you remember how the weight, I mean, I, I've heard this a thousand times. It was like the weight of the world came on. It's like the thing that held me captive for a fleet. It wasn't there anymore. Think about that. How thankful were you at that moment right there? Where you realized for the very first time that you couldn't do for yourself what Jesus was doing for you. Remember the thankfulness that was there? Remember, Remember how that made you feel? Do you remember how it made you feel when the first time God demonstrated mercy and favor to you? Do you remember the first time he poured out blessings to you? What happened to those moments? Remember how thankful you would walk around? Thank you, God. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you. Woo! Right? And now it's like COVID this, racial tension that, Democrat, Republican, whatever. I mean, it's like, what would happen instead of complaining about everything? We gave thanks for everything in advance. God, thank you. You're working. You're working all things together for good for those who love you and are called according, called, called according to your purpose. What, 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 what if we started right there? What, right there, right in that moment. So let's go back to those questions, right? I want you to think about them real quick. What can I do that will stabilize my walk with Jesus? I think I just gave you a couple rooted, built up, strengthened, right? Thanksgiving. How can I apply those to my life this week? What can, what can I do? So I'm gonna, so we use the word encourage around here. So this past week, somebody said, can you use the word encourage? I'm gonna, instead of challenge, I'm, I'm gonna encourage you as I challenge you. I'm gonna challenge you and encourage you to do a couple things with me this week. Last week, I asked you to read Psalms 19 and 119, right? And man, it was so cool. Messages, Facebook blew up. I know our social media stuff. This week, I want you to take this passage and read it over and over again. Every day, read it. And take each one of those things. God, what are, what are the areas of my life that I'm not rooted in you? What are areas of my life that I need to be you know, strengthened in you? What are areas of my life that you need to be allowed to be the master builder? What areas of my life am I not thankful for that I need to be thankful this week? And so that's one thing I want you to do. And then I want you to take this passage. As you're reading it, I want you then to pray. I want you to go, God, what areas? Like, don't just ask the question, but what areas? And I want you to be reflective of those areas. And I want you to pray the scripture. Uh, last week, I made that same comment. Some people were like, I don't even know what that means. So you know what we're going to do right now? We're going to pray the scripture together. I'm, I'm going I'm to help us learn together as a faith community what it means to pray the scripture. And I'd encourage you, not just this passage. There's thousands of passages that we should be praying over our lives. Just bow our heads for a second.
God, thank you for visiting with us tonight. Thank you for amazing time of worship that painted a picture of who you are, painted a picture of our responsibilities to this world. What a powerful word picture this morning that we were given in worship. And God, today as we're reading your word, I'm, think, I'm thankful and thinking through that very first part of this passage where it says, therefore, as you've received Christ Jesus the Lord, I want you to take every one of us in this room, every one of us that know who you are, back to that moment. That the moment where we asked you to take your rightful place as number one in our lives, that moment right there. And I want you to remind us over and over. God, remind Bobby over and over and over again of that moment right there. And God, this week, help me walk in you. Help me do whatever it takes to walk in you. Help, 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 me, help me walk in faith. Help me understand that this, 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 this moment in my life right now is not much different than it was 30 years ago that I just continue to show gratitude and, and surrender. God, help me be rooted. God, would you root out the areas of my life that are way too much like the world and lead me down the wrong path? And would you allow a seed to be planted and rooted deep down inside of the things that you want in my life? And God, that I would be built up, that I would allow you to take this vessel and shape it every way you want it to be shaped. As your word says, potter and clay. God, mold me however you need to mold me that I would be best to make your name famous in this world. And God, help establish, help me live in the faith, the strength of the faith, understanding that God, I can't do anything without you. And then God, that I would constantly constantly be saying thank you. And God, right now I say thank you for our faith community here. I thank you for the way we are able to worship today. I thank you for our team here, our staff here, God. I thank you, I thank you for our church, God, that we get to be a light in this community, that you've chosen us. God, thank you for this building that we have and the way we use it and the way you're resourceful. God, thank you for your blessings financially last year. God, you are exceedingly abundantly above all we can ask or imagine. God, you're amazing to me. Thank you in advance, God. And thank you that this year is going to be better than next year, God. God, thank you in advance for all the things that you're going to do. You're amazing. But thank you most of all for your son, Jesus Christ, that died on the cross for each and every one of us. In Jesus' name, we pray these things. And everyone said, amen. amen. Thanks again for listening today. If you need prayer or would like to talk with someone about taking your next step, email us at nextsteps at journeycommunity.net.